0: And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We are coming to you on Monday. That's right. A little bit for this week and this week only—a one-week special, a Monday pod because Tuesday four o'clock Eastern is the trade deadline. So we figured let's do a little bit of a trade deadline preview here for the Colts. Assess their roster assess who could be on the move, who could they be bringing in, and kind of get you set for what could be a chaotic 24 hours between now and 4 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday. So, George, a lot of discussions, especially after what we saw on Sunday. That secondary was depleted going into the Saints game, and no surprise, got absolutely roasted by Michael Thomas, by Chris Olave, by Shahid, to the tune of over 500 total yards, Colts lose 38-27. And obviously coming after that game, the big discussion is, Coltsy cornerback help. They got to get anyone with a pulse out there right now. That's not Tony Brown um, on the edge for this team, as Juju Prince is still nursing his way back to health. So let me ask you this: as you look at we're about twenty four hours or so away from the trade deadline, if you were Chris Ballard, would you be for this team a buyer, a seller, or stand pat?
1: If I was Chris Ballard, I'd probably do what Chris Ballard always does and and, and just stand pat. I mean, uh, the trade deadline is such a volatile situation in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's not the NBA. It's not major league baseball. You don't have these massive moves. Barring the, the rare exception of impact guys, you know, it's usually something like an injury situation or a team that's, that's out of it, you know, just, just dumping an older veteran somewhere. Um, But the problem is so early in the year that very few teams think they're out of it. I mean, who outside of Carolina and maybe Chicago, Arizona, who else right now is sitting there thinking they've got no chance. And even I bet at least one of those teams is still thinking, you know, probably Arizona's like, well, Kyler Murray's on the way back and we can make a run. Like it, I think it's too early in the year. I I just do. I, I don't know there'd be a whole lot of movement, you know, later in November either, but right now, how many teams out there honestly going to hand, hold their hand up and say, we are sellers.
0: I don't see many fire sales. I'm with you. And it's, I think the the NFL trade down is a little overblown in the sense that, look, last year, yes, we saw Christian McCaffrey getting moves, big name and a big impact for the 49ers. But more times than not, it's little depth moves that contenders make in order to shore up their team versus, like you said, in other sports, superstars like in the NBA, Kevin Durant going from the Nets to the Suns or James Harden getting traded. Like you see superstars in the NBA get moved. The NFL rarely does that happen, and that's why I'm with you. If I'm Chris Ballard, I am standing pat. I am not a buyer. I am not a seller. So I think both routes don't make sense for where this Colts team is. They're 3-5 and with a backup quarterback. They're not a playoff team. So it makes no sense for them to buy, even with how bad the secondary is. It makes no sense for you to buy what is going to be, what, a stopgap player that is going to be most likely a veteran free agent after the 2023 season. And then what, you give up draft capital to bring a guy in to plug a hole now just to make the rest of the year palatable, but actually gives you no impact when this team actually wants to compete in 2024 and beyond. I don't think that's the right move. And if you're selling, we'll get to this list here in a second. Any player you would trade most likely is a player, I would think Chris Ballard wants to keep going forward here. So I don't think if you have plans this off-season to try to re-sign and keep a lot of your impending free agents, I don't see why you would trade them and make their re-signing less likely in the off-season. So if you're Chris Ballard here, I don't think, George, at 3-5, and five, it definitely does not make sense for you to be a buyer. And I don't think you have right now the pieces you would trade. You don't have, like, one-year veterans that, okay, you know, they're not in our future plans anyway, let's just get rid of them. You don't really have tradable veterans that are appealing to other teams that would make sense for you to get rid of. So they're kind of stuck in no man's land. I think the best bet for them is sit tight, kind of push through, especially this cornerback issue. Hope Juju Brents is back sooner rather than later. Hope Jalen Jones, with his extended look now, can get more comfortable, make some plays. If you get toasted the rest of the year, okay, so be it. But I just don't think right now it makes sense to address that position out of panic from Sunday's performance. And I just don't think it makes sense either to buy or sell and where this team is right now? I
1: mean, they got what sixty-three million or something like that in cap space projected for next year, um, so they can re-sign a lot of these guys. I mean, that to your point on, on guys they want to sign, uh, they've got the cap space to do it. And we've seen Ballard be willing to to sign his own guys. I mean, that's where he signs the bigger deals for the most part. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense. There's one guy we'll get to later that I think could work in a very specific situation with a very specific return. Um, But beyond that, yeah, I I don't think you, you should be out there dangling, you know, calling the other 31 general managers and Hey, what would you give me for Michael Pittman? What would you give me for Kenny Moore? You know, I I don't think they're at that point. Uh, And again, to to your point about like the impact deals last year was Naheem Hines for Zach Moss. That was the big trade at, at, at the deadline. And worked out for the Colts because they got Zach Moss uh, who's obviously been a big time player for them this year Uh, but it it wasn't a headline grabbing trade it it wasn't you know I don't think there were dozens of season tickets sold after that deal was made you know it's not that kind of a deal and if there is one that goes down this year I think it would be along those lines not you know along the lines of, of some of the names that are out there
0: Right, the Colts, now looking back, like you said, got lucky and won that trade. But remember, too, the Colts traded Hines to a contender in the Bills who moved off of Zach Moss because they they there was just no need for him, not a great fit in that offense. So it was just like, okay, fine, here's a pick, and here's Zach Moss. Like, you're giving us a running back, we'll give you one back. And it happened that the more reps, Zach Moss, look good and fit into this run scheme. But it's not like the Colts, like you said, the, it's not like the Bills are trading a significant piece off their team when they're going for it to give the Colts for a player that they are trading them. That's just so again, if you're selling, I don't think you're going to get a lot back here. And let's talk about that, George, because I think we can make, discuss why it doesn't make sense for the Colts to be sellers and or buyers. Um, Let's look at right now, the the pieces that the Colts could trade, right? For the most part, you're going to look at free agents after 2023, those names, let's just go one by one here. Kenny Moore, Kenny Moore is a free agent after this season, George. With everyone freaking out, and rightfully so by the secondary on Sunday, trading Kenny Moore makes no sense. Taking the best secondary piece off your roster for an already thin secondary makes no sense. You, you want to see more Tony Brown if you trade Kenny Moore? Even if you get, a, what, a third-round pick back? I don't think it's worth it.
1: No. you yeah, know, and I think Kenny's a guy that – has been really respected in that secondary. He's a leader in his own way. He's not a vocal guy, but he's a leader in, in terms of this, how you do things. You know, this is, this is the expectation. And the only way that I could see Kenny Moore being moved is if he wants out. If he's just like, you know, I'm fed up the last couple of years or I don't like this system or whatever. Um, if he's making that kind of demand, uh, then go ahead and, and, and move him, you know, for his sake. But I don't think that that's the case. And it would be, cripple this team I mean, like you said if you trade Kenny Moore right now if you think the cornerback situation's bad as it is it's going to be even digging more into that depth now Tony Brown's defense at least he has played nickel before you know the outside corner spot was something that was brand new to him since I think 2017 when he was at Alabama so um not a, a great move by the coaches, not a great move by the GM there. We talked about that on the post-game pod. You can go to YouTube and, and check that out. Um, but, yeah, it, moving Kenny Moore right now does a lot more harm than it does good.
0: I don't so, know if it does any good. You're right. And the leadership, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right 100%. He right now is still able to kind of nurse along, if you will, Jalen Jones, Juju Brights a lot of these young and experienced guys. You trade him off, it's truly now the blind leading the blind. Where it's like Tony Brown, Jalen Jones, and Juju Brent, assuming he's back sooner than later, those three playing a majority of the snaps the rest of the season, none of them have played a lot of you know, played a lot of snaps in general. I mean what if we added up we're talking about less than what three hundred combined snaps easily between the three of them on defense in their NFL careers, two being rookies and and Tony Brown, who came into the season before yesterday, uh Sunday that is playing one defensive snap it's a lot of inexperience so to your point one of the ways you can kind of help this secondary learn and mature and hopefully you know get on a quicker learning curve than normal is by having a veteran like Kenny Moore there teaching them hey when you do this this is why you know that happened and here's a little trick to you know prevent getting burned again or or whatever that veteran presence i think just in general is worth keeping in the locker room the rest of the season like you said, assuming he doesn't ask out. We saw that with Naeem Hines last year. He asked out and, and Chris Ballard granted it. So unless Kenny Moore just demands out and says, I'm done with this team, I got to go to a contender. That's a guy that I think you want to keep the rest of this season and also going forward. Uh, that's a guy I think if I'm Chris Ballard, I'm trying my best to resign and make sure he's not going anywhere. So again, if you, if that is the case and that's your mindset, I don't think trading him for a middle round pick is worth it. No, and the one caveat
1: to all of this is, you know, somebody wants to blow your doors off. Somebody wants to come in and say, you know, here's the next three years of first round picks for one of these players. Then yeah, you're going to change your mind, Fair. but you know, beyond some deal that is just unbelievable. I, I think Kenny Moore should, should stay in place. Yeah, Howie,
0: Howie Rosen wants to call and, and offer three first round picks for, for Kenny Moore. I lied. Yeah. I take it back. Trade him. that. That makes sense. Um, This is going to cut close to home here, George. This is your guy. Grover Stewart, freezing at the end of this season. There's no way. I mean, there's no way a team could trade for him still with four games left on a suspension to start. But also, too, I, I don't see how the Colts would want to trade him. That's a guy that, again, with how productive he's been and under the radar he's been, that's a guy that you absolutely want back on your roster in 2024 and beyond. We're
1: clearly talking about a cornerstone of the franchise here. So, you know, you you can't be, you can't be moving the franchise like this, but no, I mean, just in all seriousness, looking at the impact just in the two weeks he's been gone, you know, how much more running space there's been for teams. Um, There's no reason to do this. There's no one on the roster right now who can step in and do what Grover does. Uh, You don't want to break up that tag team of, of Grover and DeForest. Now, I think Grover is going to be the interesting one when it comes to the resign numbers, just because going to be 30 coming off the suspension. um, And even though I think most people probably, this is one of those situations where you, it probably was a mistake. Everybody's been saying that I don't think Grover intentionally cheated the game or anything like that, but it still factors into, it was a mistake that was made that cost you six games this year. So you know, I, I'm not saying don't re-sign him, but I think that deal is going to be a little bit more complicated maybe than some of the others because it's probably not going to be a long-term deal. you got to find the right number. Uh, but I think you absolutely want to make sure that Grover Stewart's still a part of anchor in this defensive line because he's he, he does things nobody else does. His size, with his athleticism, there isn't another Grover Stewart. You don't replace him.
0: No, you're right. And look, it's not directly just on him. But 77 points the last two games he's been out. You know, we're talking about the defense. that has been easily the two worst games back-to-back against two offenses that are either struggling and or playing with backup quarterbacks in, in the Browns with P.J. Walker last week. Coincidence, George? Not entirely. Not entirely. So I'm with you there. You want to keep Grover Stewart back, um, and that's a guy you absolutely intend, bare minimum, to keep in 2024 and beyond. And I just don't think his value, with still four games left of a suspension, is – high enough to where the pick you'll get back is worth losing him potentially for good, not just this season, but also going forward as well. So I don't think it makes sense for the Colts run out right to trade Grover Stewart. Also don't think it makes sense for them to trade Michael Pittman Jr. He's an upcoming for agent at the end of the season, but that's a guy that you are forget. I want to resign. You still want to develop him this season to see if he can become that number one wide receiver for Anthony Richardson in 2024 and beyond. I know it's Gardner Minshew throwing him passes. And so it's a little bit different. There's still going to be a learning curve. Like we talked about on Sunday after the pod offensively, it still stinks that the rest of the season, obviously you won't have AR throwing him passes, but you still want to see, even with a backup quarterback, can Pittman really take over a game? Can he step up, be consistent, make more explosive plays like he did against the Browns um, scoring that 70 yard touchdown. And I think you want him on the roster to see how he still fits in Shane Seikens offense and see if he can progress to being the guy that you feel comfortable giving 20 25 million dollars a year for.
1: They love him too. I think that's a big part of this is you got to realize Chris Ballard is a major Michael Pittman fan and a lot of that comes down to the physicality that he plays with. We see the big plays at times and we see the catches, uh but he's out there in the blocking game, you know, leveling people at times, uh getting setting that edge and and that's something that I think they feel like a they're not going to get that from a lot of receivers. So when you take his high end receiver ability and you take in the physicality that he plays with and the fact that he's got that chip on his shoulder, that competitive fire, all of that is, is appealing to to Chris Ballard. I would be, I'm never surprised whatever happens because this league is, I mean, the the Chiefs lost the Broncos yesterday. You never have any idea what's going to happen in this league. Um, And that goes for game to game. It goes for player negotiations, but right now, all indications are that they want to keep Michael Pittman here. And he's probably been as affected as any player on the roster by the quarterback carousel, just because you look at the time that he's been here and he's had, well, I think seven different starters, which is insane. Um, and who knows? I mean, it, Menchie was limping again at one point in the third quarter yesterday. It, there may be another change at some point. Uh if, if he's not, you know, able to to take the beating the rest of the year, so I think you're going to see Pittman back. I think that's the plan. And and again, if if you know, Eagles want to make it a four wide receiver crew up there and and want to <laughs> give you, you know, mountains of, of draft picks, then obviously the, those kind of deals need to be considered and should be taken. But I, I don't see it happening. I think Pittman's a guy they want to build around. I really do.
0: And similar to Grover Stewart, similar to Kenny Moore, again, all these guys we're talking about are on the final year of your deals. I don't think you're getting a lot back in terms of draft compensation, even player competition, because most likely you're trading that player to a contender. And again, if you're a contender, you're not going to take, you know, you're not going to sacrifice your left arm to help rebuild your right leg. You're going to try to add without taking much away. So you're going to give later round draft picks and or bench players. Um, for guys that like Michael Pittman Jr. And again, um, so it's like, if you are a free agent at the end of the year, you're not getting a first round pick back or a second round pick back for a guy Michael Pittman Jr.'s caliber. So it's like, is it really worth it? Third or fourth round pick right now to trade a guy you want to develop? I don't think so. I think it makes much, uh, makes much sense. I think you're way better off keeping him and then hoping to re-sign him at the end of the season, which it sounds like that is one of the biggest, maybe if not the biggest priority for the Colts' upcoming offseason. And with that same vein, going back to the defense, we talked about Kenny Moore not trading him. Julian Blackman's another guy also in the final year of his deal, George. But again, you look at, I know he plays, you know, safety compared to corner, but even safety is still thin where Rodney Thomas is, is really developing and coming on nicely. Um, and I think it's been a big surprise to this team. And then it's also Nick Cross, who a lot of people were high on, is an athletic freak coming out of Maryland but still is trying to work on consistency and still trying to get, you know, his game to where he's on the field consistently. And that's a thing where you take Julian Blackman off. Who's played really well this season. Injuries have been a a concern for him, but when he's on the field and healthy, he's been a big impact player. And for an already, again, thin secondary in general, I don't see again, what you're getting back for Blackman that makes it worth it. And I don't see again, going forward here, why you want to take another piece off of a struggling and thin secondary um, just to, for the rest of this year, get a late-round pick?
1: He's been really settling in in that strong safety spot, too, which I think is something that is interesting to see how that grows, you know, if they're able to re-sign him uh, and bring him back and, and let him grow in that spot. It just seems like it's a really natural fit for him. Um, he seems to be involved in, in a lot more. Of the defense now, he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage at times, he gets a lot more tackles. Still able to make some plays and and get interceptions. He leads team right now with two. Um, you know, the only way you make that move, and this is not the guy that I was talking about earlier specifically, is Nick Cross. If you feel like he's ready to go and you feel like he's the guy next year and you want to get him snaps, then maybe this would be something you could consider. Uh, but I just don't think that that's what the case right now. They they are trying to find a spot for Nick Cross. I know they're trying to to get him some more reps and try to get that. He was out there briefly um, Sunday after Kenny Moore went down. But I I don't know that this is the time to do that. I think Blackman's a leader back there. I think he's playing as well as anybody. He and Ronnie Thomas uh, are probably playing as well as anybody on the back end. Um, Again, if someone wants to blow you away with an offer, sure. But I I don't see that happening. The only way around it, like I said, is if they made the termination that Nick Cross is going to be the strong safety moving forward. And you want to just go ahead and get him reps at that spot now.
0: Which the Colts at least have given no indication publicly that that's the case, but you're right. If that's internally how they feel and they see enough in practice. Okay. But at least, at least, you know, for us on the exterior does not seem to be that way. So no one Kenny Moore, in terms of making sense for the Colts to trade him, No one, Grover Stewart, no one, Michael Pittman Jr. No one, Julian Blackman, one other guy, George, I don't think the Colts will trade. But out of the five names we're talking about here, I'm the most open to actually. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is a free agent. And at the end of the season, what's interesting and the reason why I'm open to it is I think he would command the most out of these five players. Not that he's the best, but there is now a need. And you look around the NFL. Kenny Pickett left Sunday's game with rib injuries. His status right now is unknown and how long he's going to be out for, but the Steelers are four and three in the middle of a playoff hunt. Mitch Trubisky is not very good. If I was Pittsburgh, I wouldn't feel great about it. And he came in and did not look uh, uh, too exciting against that Jaguars defense. You had Kirk Cousins. Excuse me. Still trying to – his cough has been lasting three weeks. Damn it. I apologize. Can't I can't shake it. Uh, just like the Colts can't right now, shake some bad secondary play. Um, but Kirk Cousins.
1: Oh, like a losing streak, is that a coincidence?
0: Maybe. Wow, my health could be tied to right now whether this team wins or loses on Sunday. I got to go to the infirmary. I got to get better yeah. here. If so they lose, if I still got this cough on Sunday, li- they lose to the Panthers. Oh boy. Oh, it's gonna be a pod that is for sure. But Kirk Cousins right, unfortunately, tears his Achilles on Sunday for the Vikings, but they, after starting 0-3, are now 4-4. and You have quarterback-like injury concerns. If the Vikings come, now again, are they going to offer a first-round pick? Absolutely not. No way. But if they give you a decent offer, if you're Chris Bauer, that's the one I think I'd be most open to. And, look, Sam is not very good. But at least with Sam Ellinger compared to Gardner Minshew, you can run a similar style of offense that you would run with Anthony Richardson. So you can still have this offense look like it will next year, even though it won't produce like we think it will next year. What do you think about that?
1: I think the only I think one of the dangers there is that you're kind of waving a white flag to the locker room. Uh, similar to last year, this time of year, you know, if you trade it, I know Gardner's turned the ball over a lot uh, and needs to, to to get that under control uh, just one time on on Sunday, but it was a costly one. Um but I, mean, I think the locker room would probably not respond terrifically to that just because you'd be going with Sam Mellinger and Kellen Mond and, you know, more or less telling them that that not really going to make a run at, at the rest of this year. Um, and that didn't go over well last year. When, when they made similar moves no. uh and, and let the you know the circus coming to town and, and and all the no one needs to rehash what happened last year um so I think that's that's the danger there is it worth <laughs> it if if a deal is good enough yeah, I don't know because there are going to be some desperate teams and there's no doubt Pittsburgh in particular I think is a team that feels like in, in their mind uh they' four and three you know they're they're in the middle of this wild card chase. They're in the middle of the division chase right now. Joe Burrow getting healthier and healthier maybe makes that a little less likely. Uh, but you need if you're Pittsburgh, I think you you would be very interested in getting somebody like Gardner Minshew in, assuming he's not going to turn the ball over there. I mean that's the other problem. They're going to have the same caveats uh, watching what's happened the last couple of weeks. But probably the biggest return of any of the guys on here, just because of the position he plays, I would just be concerned about the message it sends to the locker room.
0: And look, you can even expand it to the Jets offense, which I really hope no one listening to this pod watch any of that game is one of the ugliest offensive games you'll ever see. The Giants, I didn't joke. Did you see this, George? The Giants passing offense for the game totaled negative nine passing yards for the entire game. And still was an overtime should have won the game. They just gave the game away to the jets, but think about how bad the jets offense is with Zach Wilson. Were you had a team on the other side that did not attempt to pass after the second quarter and for the game totaled negative nine passing yards and still needed to go to overtime and needed a miracle to win the game. So if you're the jets Gardner Minshew for his turnover problems, gives you a hundred times better chance to win games going forward compared to Zach Wilson. Um, there's one other one I had too. Shoot. Oh, the Browns. I mean, PJ Walker's not very good. Again, Deshaun Watson's, who knows how long he'll be out for, but you have a chippy chip level defense right now that is not winning a lot of games because their offense stinks. And so you wonder, even if it's for, a, you know, probably not going to get a lot for Gardner Mitchell if he's asked to, you know, start the next month or so with Deshaun Watson on the way. But again, who knows how desperate these teams are where you see a playoff. Birth may be hanging in the balance because of your offense and specifically your quarterback play. Not that Gardner Minshew again is he has his own flaws, but he's also lighting it up um, and putting up points consistently. So I don't, I don't think the offer is going to be there where it blows you away. No, one's going to give you a first round pick. No, one's probably going to give you a second round pick for a backup. That's going to be again, a free agent at the end of the season, but that out of the five guys, that would be the most open, I would be the trading a player. I think out of those five guys, the best chance again, the most return would be for Gardner Minshew because of the level of desperation right now that playoff teams have with some questionable quarterback uh, situations.
1: Yeah. And there's no doubt. Quarterback's always the one that the, that's going to get the most attention and going to get the most uh, re- return on that. And yeah, there's some desperation because after Tuesday, the only other option is a waiver wire. So you know, you got if you're going to get somebody on another roster, you got as we're recording this about 27 hours to get that done. So, you know, it's it's not easy. There's no question. And and I do think that if there is desperation going to set in at, at any spot, that's the one.
0: Yeah, people do some crazy things for quarterbacks we have seen in the past, um, without a doubt. I don't think Minshew is going to be the one people are going to be going crazy over. But again, we've seen looking back some horrific trades for guys that have not been very good and teams making that trade, uh, living to regret it. Um, Now, those are the five guys. Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Michael Pittman Jr., Julian Blackman, Gardner Minshew. Five guys that if the Colts were going to be sellers, makes the most sense to trade since they're all impending for agents. We just kind of outlined the case why the Colts shouldn't trade any of them doesn't really benefit them now or in the future to to get them off the team. You, though, George, have another impending free agent that you think the Colts should trade. It's spicy. I like it. Let's hear it.
1: Yeah, I think in a very specific situation, like I said, with a very specific return, I think they should listen to offers on Zach Moss, and I think they should look around and see if there's a corner, if there's a third or fourth corner somewhere on one of these teams that needs a running back, who they can get, who has a contract beyond this year. I think that's a key part of this. Not another rental. And I don't know if anyone's going to make this deal. Uh, But there are teams out there, whether it's Cleveland, whether it's Kansas City, uh, who could use help at the running back spot right now. I think Moss has shown you what he can do. I think if you're going to use him the way the Colts use him, I think you're going to get a very serviceable player. Probably not going to cost you a ton to re-sign. But this, this one to me is twofold. You can get a corner in who can help you now, but also can provide depth next year for what's a thin group. And you're going to need to do this at some point anyway. Uh, but also open up some running, some some carries for, for Jonathan Taylor. I think we're seeing him get healthier and healthier. It's a tough 50-50 split right now. Uh, and they have to continue it because Zach Moss has shown it. Statistically, he's one of the best running backs in the league right now. And then you've got Jonathan Taylor, who we know to be one of the best running backs in the league uh, from what he did in 2021. So, but I also think Taylor's one of those guys that needs to get lathered up a little bit when he's most effective. It's when he gets some carries early Starts to wear down that defense, and somehow it seems like no matter how many carries he's had in the fourth quarter, he's fresher than the defense, and he's busting off these long runs. And it's crippling. I mean, there's nothing. Ask the Patriots how bad it feels to turn around in the fourth quarter and, and watch him go on a 75-yard touchdown run. You know, it, it it's harder to do when he's in time with Zach Moss. I'm not saying it's an absolute. You have to do this. You know, but very specific parameters here. If you can get a corner who has more time left on his deal than the end of this season, I would seriously consider making a move with Zagmos.
0: I, I like that a lot because in terms of return, like you said, we're talking about the second leading rusher in the NFL right now in terms of total yards and in terms of guys that are active um, and not up for the year, he is the league leader in terms of average yards per game. He's been tremendous. And I never thought George, we would be sitting here. On October 30th, talking about Zach Moss taking carries away from Jonathan Taylor. But especially go back to Sunday, that's what happened. And I think part of the criticism for Shane Sykin coming out of that game for how great he coached, and again, how brilliantly he's put in his offensive positions to succeed, there are still areas of criticism. I think one coming out of Sunday is the fact that Jonathan Taylor in the second half had one carry. Part of that was, I think, just they got too pass uh, happy. Yep. Part of that was... Zach Moss got a lot of carries in the, or anytime they ran the ball, it was primarily going to Zach Moss. They didn't run the ball a ton in the second half, but Zach Moss all but one of those carries ripped off the 41-yard rush he had in the second half as well. So he, in a way, put Jonathan Taylor on the bench, which is crazy. When you look at a guy And Jonathan Taylor almost had, I think it was like 7.8 yards per carry uh, on Sunday. It was insane. But Zach Moss still has been kind of that steady Eddie kind of guy we talked about the quarterback desperation out there for teams. There's also a running back desperation as well. You listed some teams before, excuse me, that could uh, that could use a running back. He has been a very consistent guy. And I like your stipulation on the corner. Obviously, this is a trade where if you, if you make it, you would prefer player over draft capital. And I like the stipulation of if you're going to trade Zach Moss, it can't just be for a stopgap fourth string corner that, again, is going to be a free agent at the end of the season got to be probably a younger player that is under contract through 2024. So at least bare minimum, like you said, next year, even if he's not a big contributor, it's just good depth to where if we see Dallas flowers, hopefully not go out again and Juju Brent have to miss a game or two or Jalen Jones next year, get banged up. At least you can feel better about a player of this caliber playing versus guys like Tony Brown. So I like that George. Um, the tough part's going to be, like I said, who's out there, um, and who is, you know, which teams are willing. You know, you mentioned Cleveland; they do have, I mean, that defense is elite, and they do have a lot of depth on that defense, so that could be a team that a match of what you're looking for could work. But I, I like that a lot. That is that is one where honestly, I was not sold on trading Zach Moss. Like you just look at him; like I don't know if it makes sense. Like they have a good, you know, this run game is where you're going to have to have success, and they have a good right now one-two punch of him and JT. You explain it. I can't say, like I can't argue with it. I think your logic is absolutely sound. I think if you're the Colts, that is the one trade you could make and feel good about the direction of this team. Cause you are a better team. You get cornerback depth. And Oh, by the way, you happen to unlock the best offensive player and one of the best just flat out players on your team.
1: Yeah. And there's risk. I mean, Trey Sermon becomes the backup running back and obviously you're one injury away from, you know, really putting the offense in a bad place, but again, they're three and five. And you know, if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt, it's gonna be bad even if Zach Moss is here. It's not something that that you know you're gonna feel good about uh anyway around it. So to me, it's a very specific trade. I don't know if that's out there because I don't know if there is a young corner signed through at least 2024 uh, who's available who on a team that that needs a running back. But that's that's what I'd be looking for. Uh, I just think it, it helps now but it also helps in the future because Moss is going to be an interesting one at the end of the year too. Obviously you'd say second leading rusher in the league, re-sign him, but you do have, you're paying $26 million to, to Jonathan Taylor because he's a star caliber running back and a bell cow running back. Do you want to continue using him in a committee? Do you want to put that much money at that position and whatever Moss signs for is going to be on top of that 26? Um, you know, I feel like you could replace him with a third day draft pick from what we've seen. Get somebody in here next year that that can do what, you know, can can be a good backup. He's not gonna do what Zach Moss has done, but can be a good solid number two running back behind a Bell cow featured guy like Jonathan Taylor. So if that specific deal is out there, I would make it.
0: And it's also a good point too Jonathan Taylor. That's a guy that he is um he needs like reps, So it's not like, oh, you're gonna try to go with a running back by committee next year anyway, you're most likely not, which maybe means Zach Moss could be elsewhere next season, no matter what. And so if you can get something back, especially if you can get back a specific need, a corner that could play now, but also be on the roster next year as well, that would be huge. So that is the reasons, at least we just outlined uh, the Colts, why they should not be sellers at the deadline. Again, the players that they could trade, Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Michael Pippen Jr., Julian Blackman, Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss, for the most part, you're not going to get a lot back. And it's not worth right now, especially if a lot of these guys you want to resign. I don't think it's worth moving them off the roster and making it harder to re-sign them in the offseason. What about George players that they could trade for and be buyers at the deadline? <laughs> Let's start with the biggest name everyone is talking about, especially coming off Sunday. It's Broncos defensive back, Patrick Sertan. You said something before the pod, and I want to have you repeat it here. Cause I think it's, you're hundred percent right about this. Are you George? Cause that's been a popular name on the trade market in general. Are you sold right now that Patrick Sertan is even up for, uh, is even available? No, I'm not.
1: It would be a terrible move. by never, I mean, you're talking about one of the best young corners in, in the NFL at, what, maybe the third most important position? I mean, I don't know how we rank them these days, but quarterback, defensive end, corner's right there in the next discussion, corner and receiver, right? I mean, anything that has to do with either passing the ball or preventing the pass is is going to be, you know, a premium position in this league. And I just, I don't know why you'd be giving up on on somebody who's clearly a cornerstone player for for any franchise.
0: he's 23 he was an all pro last year this denver defense stinks why if you're denver would you trade the best player on your defense that's going to be there for the long haul and i don't also don't think sean payne went to denver with like a five-year rebuild plan in mind where it goes okay in 2028 we're going to be competitive here i think he's trying to turn this around now and you're starting to see slow signs of it not this year in terms of being a competitor but you're coming off a win over the Chiefs. There, the offense is starting to look a little bit more consistent. The defense, I mean, held Patrick Holmes without a touchdown uh, for the first time in a long time. I mean, nine points the Chiefs' defense uh, offense scored. That is a major win, no matter who you're playing and how bad you've been. I think Sean Payton is here for 2024. I think they expect to be at least playoff contenders. Um, I know they're expecting to be playoff contenders this year. So I don't think you're trading one of the best players on your defense. That's been bad in general. When you're still trying to win for what, like if he's available, if he's which I'm with you, I don't think he's actually available. This name's been thrown around a lot. I don't see why it makes de- uh, sense for Denver. Forget about just the Colts, any team. Why it makes sense to trade Patrick Sertan to any team? Um, but like that's at least the, what I've seen. Like you're talking about if he is possible in the market. Like bare minimum starting point is two first round picks. If you're Chris Ballard, oh yeah. If you're listening to this right now, you want Patrick Sertan. Do you feel comfortable and are willing to give up two first-round picks right now for Sertan? He's 23 and an all-pro. Good player. Really good player. Slow, maybe Slim change, you get something like that in the draft. Either with where this team is, I'm not going to sit here and give up two first-round picks for Sertan right now. I just don't think it's worth it for the Colts.
1: And like you said, that's a bare minimum. Um, I would imagine if he's actually available, there'll be a bidding war. It might go up from that. Your point. Um, I mean, just thinking for the rest of the league that, that the Rams aren't in the market, or who knows how high that might get. They they might just you know see one of those NBA trades and the first round pick through 2036 or whatever. F them but, picks. You know, that's the other part of it to me is what guarantee do you have he's gonna resign? I mean, that if you're gonna give up two first round picks. Yeah, he's obviously, uh, like I said, he's cornerstone player for any franchise he would go to. You're going to get uh, 32 teams who raise their hand for a 23 year old All Pro corner. I mean, that's that's pretty simple. Um, but what what contract is he going to demand? Can the Colts sign him? You know, that's the other part of this. And does he want to be here? Because you trade two first round picks and he gets here and says, you know, I my dream all along. And I told Denver, this is to play for Miami or whatever. And now you're out draft capital and a guy's walking. And yeah, you can do the franchise tag and all that other stuff, but you know how that turns out. It's never a fun situation unless you're able to guarantee. I mean, sure. Anyone's going to take the player. There's no question about it. Unless you're able to guarantee that he's going to be here, you know, long-term don't even pick up the phone.
0: Right. And, Look, we've been talking about the Colts' future being bright, right? But it's also an unknown. We think they're going to be really good, but it's nowhere near a guarantee. And like you said, with a, with Patrick Sertan, with, like I said, all 31 other teams absolutely having a reason and an interest to call if he's actually on the market, you're talking about a bidding war, the price is going to be high, and a lot of other sexier destinations where he could win a lot sooner um, and, and have a better guarantee of winning – compared to right now Indianapolis, it's been a hot name. Again, it obviously fits exactly what the Colts need. Like it's a major need. It's a perfect fit, but the factors around it just make no sense where I'm with you. I don't think he's even truly available. I think it's one of those rumors that has more legs on social media and with the fans than it does in actual reality. And the price is going to be exorbitant if he actually truly is on the move at the trade deadline. Um, So while it's fun, while it's a perfect name, I would be shocked if we're sitting here seeing Patrick Sertan's name um, on the trade block this time on Tuesday and shocked if he's anywhere but Denver on Wednesday morning. And if you're the Colts, again, for especially two, like, agree with it or not with how Chris Ballard treats his draft picks and holds on to them, you know, tighter than for the most part, almost anything. You just got to look at this realistically and say there is no chance, If we're talking about two first-round picks here, that Chris Ballard is giving that up for for – Patrick Sertan, even with how dire the secondary is, you just got to be realistic and say that's not going to happen. That's not a reality for this GM, for this team.
1: No, I mean, he traded one and and gave a deal to to divorce Buckner. So when he sees a guy, um, you know, he will give up value when, when he sees a guy, but again, they, they had the deal ready. They, it was announced at the time of the trade. That to me is as big a part of this as anything else. Can you work out a deal with Patrick Sertan? Does, does he have a high enough opinion of, of Anthony Richardson and of, you know, the rest of this roster that he thinks, yeah, I'll go there. And, and I'll tie my next five, six years to to that franchise. I don't know. I don't know that he's available. I don't think he is. Uh, and if he is, I would imagine it's more like you were talking about. He's looking at Philly. He's looking at Cincinnati. He's looking at Kansas city. He's looking at Buffalo you know, Miami, where he can envision playing in a Super Bowl this year and then maybe a couple more over the time of that contract, not building somewhere where, you know, maybe three, four years down the road he, he can get there. I, I don't think players think that way. Um, you know, he's close to free agency. Obviously, that's why this deal is is even being mentioned. Um, no Nobody wants to give up their free agency and, and just go somewhere on the hope that that team's
0: going to develop. You also make a good point, the teams you listed, if again, if there's interest and he's actually on the block, there are all those teams you mentioned, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City are more motivated than the Colts to get this deal done because they're trying to win now. So you think in terms of the bidding war going up, I would be like if they are, if those teams are truly in it, I'd be hard pressed to think that they would let the Colts outbid them. Because if you're willing to be in the, in the Patrick Sertan sweepstakes, that means you're willing and, and accepting of, okay, two round picks, we're going to give up. And then if the Colts offer, I don't know, a second, you're offering a third. I don't think those teams, already two round picks on the table, are going to say, well, the Colts are offering a second, we're offering a third, we can't do any more, so you take them, Indy. They are, I think, going go again to be highly motivated, more motivated than Colts are, even, again, with their dire secondary need right now. To get a job done because they need him now compared to where the Colts need really search. I mean, they need him now, obviously, but that pick is or that trade is more for 2024 and beyond. It just seems like if he's going to be traded, the motivation around the league is higher right now for other teams to get it done compared compared right now to where the Colts are currently positioned at three and five. So we're both in agreement. And this is
1: the kind of deal. Yeah, this is the kind of deal you make as the last piece of going to the Super Bowl, not as the start of the bill. This is the guy Good that point. you bring in because he's the,
0: you know, the cherry on top of the Sunday. Good point. You're right about that. Yeah. And that's obviously clearly not where the Colts are this year. So that is a name that's been floated around, but not realistic 2 let's say in terms of being buyers, George, two other names out there that are definitely more realistic for the Colts to acquire. Let's discuss why they shouldn't, should I make the trade? One of them is Jerry Judy, right? That's been really the, the biggest name surrounding the Colts' trade deadline has been Broncos' wide receiver, Jerry Judy, who, coincidence or not, did reach the end zone for the first time this season on Sunday. So helping himself out, I guess, if he wants to get out of Denver, uh, making his trade value a little bit higher. But if you are the Colts who, Jerry Judy, important to state, is under contract in 2024. So this is not a rental piece. You are getting him for the rest of this season and next season. Price aside, George, does it make sense Excuse me. God, cough. Does it make sense to bring yeah. Judy into this wide receiver room uh, this year? For
1: me, no. Um, for one thing, I just don't. Josh Downs is playing incredible football right now. He's put together two really outstanding games back to back weeks. You can see him being a rookie who's on the rise. We were just talking about everything that you need to get from Michael Pittman and how much you want to see from him as, as he nears free agency and, you know, his importance to this offense. And I would rather the rest of this year continue to give those reps to Alec Pierce and see what he can develop into, than bring somebody in from the outside who's going to have to start over from scratch. Uh, and who may, you know, from what we've seen production wise may not be that big of an upgrade over Pierce anyway, uh, if if he is at all, I mean, I would rather find out about Alec Pierce the rest of the way. I wouldn't want to take snaps away from him to do this. I wouldn't want, definitely wouldn't want to take snaps away from Josh Downs. Um, I, I just don't. I'm not trading for a guy that I would consider to be the number four receiver as far as how I want to use him. I I wouldn't wouldn't make that deal.
0: I'm I couldn't agree more. Like I don't. First of all, you bring him in. I don't think he's a. He's not very good. So he's not an automatic upgrade to what you have. He, I'm glad you brought, the Pierce comparison thing is right, where I think there's talent with both Judy and Pierce and you just haven't seen it yet, especially with Pierce this year has taken, definitely not been as involved as we thought, but I would rather give those reps to Pierce and see if he can work his way through the rest of this season and build on any sort of momentum for 2020, you know, going into 2024 versus bringing in a guy with, in Jerry Judy who kind of does the same thing, who is a question mark as well, Who is whose deal expires before Alec Pierce. So you have to make a decision on his future faster than you would on Pierce's future. I just don't see the the upside right now if you're the Colts of bringing Jerry Judy in because he like this wide receiver room is questionable, right, in general. Michael Pittman Jr., can he develop into a number one wide receiver? That's a big question. We definitely have not seen that or right now can conclude that he definitely is right now through the first eight games of the season. Josh Jones, like you mentioned, is playing really well and is probably the most consistent receiver they have. But it was also, that's not a guy you want to take off the field right now. And Alec Pierce, I think you want to see more, but also you want to give him the opportunity to show what he has. And so you bring Jerry Judy in, you're going to take one of those three guys off the field. I don't see how that makes sense for this team. And he's not, again, he's not automatically good. He's not coming in. And it's like, oh, this is a massive upgrade. He's our number one wide receiver. It's not the case. They're not the Panthers right now where they're desperate for any sort of hot body Warm body on the field to catch passes.
1: No, exactly. That's the thing. You know, I think you've got look, I don't know what the down ceiling is, but every week he seems to 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 raise it a little more and give you a little more hope of what he can become. Um, you definitely want to mess with that. And and even just in terms of because I know he and Judy don't play the same position, but even just in terms of taking targets away from Josh Downs is not worth it. Um and and with Pierce. I just all the reasons you just laid out. I would rather see Pierce going forward. He's here. He's on a longer deal. He's got equal amounts of potential in terms of where he could get. I I just don't see it. I I don't see the need to do that. Um, I I guess the 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 move there, if you're trying to find like a logical way to do it, would be that Judy replaces Pittman next year. I don't want to do that.
0: No, you know, I mean, that,
1: the one way to make it make sense is that well, Judy's under contract; you have to pay that money. I don't want to do that. I don't want to replace Michael Pittman with Jerry Judy. I, I just don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You know, I don't know what what the Colts are going to do. We'll see. It's it's a very unballard like move. I'll say that <laughs> to to add a spot, uh, where they're. It's not a strength, but I think those three guys right now all have a case that we just made for why they need to be on the field.
0: They all have questions. I don't know why bringing in another question mark is going to make you feel any better about this wide receiver room and bringing a question mark with a history of drops and a history of not being healthy. He's played one full season and now going in year number four. That's concerning. So again, if like, you know, he's not been consistently productive. He's also not been consistently on the field. So if you want to right, if you have a grand plan of oh we're going to save money by letting Pittman go at the end of the year and then Jerry Judy will slide into his spot next year, there's no not guarantee he's going to be in the field for you know seventy five percent of the year anyway. Doesn't make doesn't make any sense. He's not a a significant upgrade, and he's also taking away reps from or I should say targets from tight ends. And I want to see again this tight end room develop. We just had Drew Ogletree make a really nice touchdown catch on Sunday. Like I think there's what
1: did you say? Sorry really nice really yeah really really
0: that was that was a beautiful that was one of those where i i'll be honest i'm sitting there cursing out Minshew for that interception and then he comes back and throws that dime on the run beautiful catch by drew like okay fine i'll 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 quiet down now but that's like (laughs) they got potential like i want to see more from ogletree who has shown flashes in the little he's been on the field Moelle Cox is more of a possession receiver. Five, he had a nice explosive touchdown when AR was in the lineup against the Rams. Ho- Jelani Woods, hopefully get on the field, so uh show some consistent production. That's also too when, you know, we're talking about one ball and throwing the and the, you know, using targets or getting targets. I want to see more targets for the tight ends because I think that right now they are underutilized and have more production than they've shown. Even Will Mallory, too, get him in there and let him let him burn a little bit. And so again, you bring Jerry Judy and forget about just the wide receivers and where he would slide in also taking targets away from a tight end group that I think definitely needs more reps to develop the rest of the season to hopefully again, build something sustainable here in 2024. Add all that up, George. And also, by the way, like, what are you giving up a third round pick for Jerry Judy? I rather personally, they got Josh Downs in the, in the third round. I'd rather take another flyer on a guy in the draft in the third round versus use that draft pick to go get Jerry Judy. Who's been a question mark. Who's been hurt. Who had drops. And it's going to be free agent after 2024.
1: Yeah, I would much rather draft another guy and let them compete with Pierce than, than give up draft capital to bring Jerry Judy in. That, that's
0: me. I'm with you 100%. Don't think it makes sense. Don't think we will see it from the Colts. Finally, George, last name that is out, <clears throat> out there that's intriguing and realistic in terms of a move could have made here is former number two overall pick Chase Young who is working his way back this season from a torn ACL, starting to really, you know, gain his stride after missing uh, basically about a year with that injury. Defe- we talked a lot about the second day, right? Obviously, that's a position of neither Colts have. Also, too, they could use some more consistent edge rush uh, production. Uh, Chase Young, obviously, is an edge rusher as well. His price, in terms of trading for him, in theory, shouldn't be high. Is this a move, George, that makes sense if Chris Bow says, you know what? Let's call up the Commanders to try to make a deal. Does acquiring Chase Young, who is a free agent at the end of this season, make sense for this team?
1: Of the three, he's the one that I would consider the most. But we're still going back to a lot of the same things that we were saying before. Uh, It's kind of a mix of the two. Because you've got the, well, you know, can you get him here long term? I think... Putting his speed, if he's able to stay healthy and he's able to 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 get back, you know, to where he was and be the player that made him number two overall pick in the draft, his speed on that turf would be enticing. Um, you know, there, there's no doubt having him coming off the edge. He's the kind of player that the Colts need, you know, that that sort of sack artist uh, coming off that edge that the other team's got to worry about all week leading into it. But like Judy, he hasn't been healthy. He's not been, you know, able to be out there on the field and 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 show the reasons that he was drafted so highly. Um, so I, I think the contract here is one of the hangups for me. What what are you willing to give him, you know, moving forward? Are you willing to trade it? It's not going to be as high a price as Sertan. So are you willing to give you know something up for a rental and hope that that works out? And that at the end of it, you want to trade? You want to sign him? I don't know. Again, that the Colts are in that spot. Um, the reason I would consider it is it is a position much like corner of great knee. He's not going to cost you what Sertan is either in terms of draft capital or whatever the contract ultimately is. It won't be cheap because he's an edge rusher, but it won't be what Patrick Sertan can. That's can for sure. Um, but, you know, again, the injuries would, would definitely make me have pause, especially when you're talking about a knee injury to a guy whose game is speed. When I mean, Chase Young's on, it's speed. He just blows off that edge and and you know, the blink of an eye is there and the quarterback's under fire. If he is he gonna be able to do that again, you know, do we know for certain that that explosion is still there? That's the risk there. The upside of it is if you get him and he stays healthy, these the pass rusher that he's capable of being is hard to come by. And there's a reason he went number two overall. If you can get that guy, you could get a steal here, potentially. I just don't know. You'd have to feel really good about the medical, like really good about the medical, and you would have to feel really good about the ability to resign him. Again, this is a, this is a move I think that makes more sense for like Philly or somebody like that where you're you're going for it. You can give up, what, probably a day two pick is what we're looking at here, I would think. Uh, you can give up a day two pick for him. And then if it doesn't work out, oh, well. You give a day two pick and you took a swing. And if it does, then you're even more of a juggernaut than you already are.
0: I view Chase Young now better than Jerry Judy. But honestly, for this position group, kind of the same, George. Because, again, we're talking about, like, we talk about wide receivers. Do they have, like, could they use an upgraded receiver? Yes. But the guy you're bringing in, is he a significant upgrade? No. Could they use, right now, the Colts, a upgraded defensive end? Absolutely. Could they use someone more consistent production? 100%. But I don't think Chase Young is that guy. Like, Samson Epicom has been, I thought, so far, <coughs> excuse me, a very <coughs> productive and solid defensive end who's been really good um, in the run game. Obviously, you want to see a little bit more maybe in the pass rush, but I think he's done a really good job. And Quiddy Pay, again, you want to see a little more consistency. But in terms of like, kind of like with Jared Judy, you bring Chase Young and you're going to take reps away from one of those two. I, just like receiver, would rather go through the rest of this season giving Dio some extra reps and giving Quiddy a chance to really kind of cement himself as one of those bookend edge rushers for the future and give you know and give them again another what are we? So the three uh quick math here, nine games. Sorry, I'm um, the 17 games still when it comes to math here. I'm still struggling with another nine games to see if you can make that production consistent. And you look at Chase Young, who has an extra year in the league, but right? he was drafted in 2020. Quiddy Pay was drafted in 2021. Quiddy Pay has more tackles in his career than Chase Young and has one less sack. So even though Chase Young's been in the league for an extra year, he has 14 career sacks in four years compared to Quiddy Pay's 13 sacks in three years. Same player. And so if that's the case, let the guy you have already on your roster try to figure it out versus bringing in another question mark. And hope that you hit the jackpot. And if you do, like you said, then you have to figure out how to pay him at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I think it's tough. You know, again, I think the injuries with, with Young have just been too it's, it's too bu- too much of a an issue. You know, he's not been healthy and there's no reason to, to think that's gonna change, that it's gonna turn around. I mean, you know, that's that's not the way history is usually. So yeah, I, I just don't see it. It's the same way of the three, he's the one I would spend the most time looking at simply because I think there is some upside there. But again, you you're taking a massive risk. And like you said, you're you're taking away snaps from young guys who probably need them more right now. Uh in Quiddy Pay and, and Dio Dangbo. And, and you know, Samson Ebicom's a, a really solid free agent signing. He's come in, he's he's done what they wanted him to do. Um, they do need to find that that top tier edge rusher. Um, but, you know, there, there's no reason right now to believe Chase Young's still that guy. He was coming out of the draft, but he hasn't been in the NFL. All
0: right, there's a reason why the Commanders declined his fifth-year option, which, again, you would think, like, well, if there's still hope. You pick it up, and even though it's pretty expensive for an edge rusher, you think, okay, maybe he'll eventually develop into that, Rejected that. He's not played a full season in his career and already missed a game this year, so that's going to be the case in four years. Yet to play a full season, just – Kind of like Judy, even though it's a position of need with where the Colts are right now, I just don't think it makes like all three, Patrick Sertan, Chase Young, Jerry Judy, all three play a position where the Colts absolutely could use an upgrade, absolutely need a talent infusion and more consistent production. I just don't think, again, at the trade deadline, those three guys, primarily those three positions, make sense where the Colts are right now from a production perspective, from a health perspective, or from a competition perspective, one of the three is, I think, a reason why if you're the Colts right now and the trade deadline, you would say no. Also in the offseason, different story. Different, yeah. you know, different story. And Absolutely. like if Chase Young doesn't turn his year around, there's a chance you could sign him in the offseason <laughs> off for like a, a year flyer. Like yeah. that's like. It's not like it's like now or never for a guy of, of Jerry Judy's stature. And if Patrick Jertand truly is on the deadline, uh, truly is on the block, I should say, excuse me, well, there's no reason for me to think right now, if he's available for a trade now, then he wouldn't be available for a trade in the offseason. He absolutely, you would assume, if he's available now, calls could be made in March and see then where this team is, where your draft pick lies, where the draft board is, and say, you know what, if we're pick 13, is there anyone receiver, defensive end, corner that you know truly wows us? That if they're sitting there at 13, we're going to be, you know, feel like it's a home run. The answer is no. Maybe then you call back Denver and say, you know what? Yeah, those those first round picks now look a little bit more expendable than they do right now. With still again, you have your draft positions wide open, and you have no idea how the draft board is going to shake out in terms of prospects. A lot of these guys, too, George. I think it's another reason why it makes sense for the Colts right now to be, you know, to stand pat with where they are, not be buyers, not be sellers. The guys they want to add, there's absolutely a way. And you mentioned before the 60 plus million dollars they have in um in salary cap space next year, not only space to re-sign guys that are free agents, but also plenty of space to make a splash with a quarterback on a rookie deal in the offseason when you kind of know the landscape and the market better to make a big-time move. Then compared to kind of rushing into it now, <laughs> and now.
1: Absolutely, yeah. At that point, you can you can get the guy that you want. Uh, sign him to the nice little deal, make sure he's going to be part of this, this core moving forward. I would not be surprised to see something like a DeForest Buckner deal happen in, in the offseason, honestly, where Ballard you know, identifies somebody and and they make a trade and and, and sign him. Uh, you know, Because at that point, like you said, you know what your draft pick is. You can make all these kind of moves with, with a lot more certainty. And they definitely have to make a big upgrade at those three spots. There's no question about that. I'm just with you I think for for various reasons all three of these guys are, are not the right fit right now uh for this team in, in this moment
0: right that's the thing we're not saying oh they're good they don't need to add any else it's just right now right like with where they are right now everything else um around them like you look at the <laughs> the variables right now with where the Colts are just does not make sense to I think add or subtract from your roster. Um, the way things are shaking out, and the way the market appears right now to be, so we are both on the same page here, George. In the sense that we don't think really the Colts should be big time buyers or big time sellers. The the big move you have is, is Zach Moss trading him and looking to get um, especially a depth secondary piece that is here, not just for the remainder of twenty twenty three, but for twenty twenty four and beyond. That's the thing. If you're Chris Bowd and going to make a move. Any move you make has to be with the eye or has to be with the future in in mind where it's not just a stopgap here for 2023 and then uh free agent and gone. You got to be able to make a move if you're going to make a move to have someone here that is under contract, bare minimum for 2024. So in the sense, at least we are right now, if we say, if the, if the question is buy, sell or stand pat, we are both for the most part in the stand pat camp. That is what we would do, right, if we were Chris Ballard in his shoes. Let me ask you this, George. Let's give a little prediction here to wrap up this this NFL trade deadline preview pod. Will, as we sit here in just about 24 hours or so from now, do you think the Colts will make a move, either be buyer or buying or selling when it's all said and done?
1: I don't think so. I, I think the, the Heinz move was really the only one they've made since Ballard's been here. And there was buzz about that. We knew that that was a possibility. There was talk going in uh, really for about that whole weekend leading up to it, that, that that might be something there's not real strong buzz out there right now uh, that, that, that a move is in, in the offing and maybe, you know, maybe Ballard's hiding underneath the radar and, and it's going to do something. But again, I, I think they're on a three game losing streak. They've got a backup quarterback, uh, it's going to lessen the the urge to add for something right now. Like you said, it's going to have to be something, you know, that that impacts the team 2024 and beyond. Uh, and I don't think that they're in a bad enough spot uh, in terms of their cap moving forward that they need to sell guys just to sell guys either. So, and they've got all their draft picks too. So it's not like they need to get picks. You know, they, they've got all seven picks. They've got $63 million. They don't need to set themselves up. If a deal makes sense, one will happen, but it'll probably be along the lines of the Heinz-Mostio, I would imagine, not along the lines of some blockbuster that, you know, leads Center tomorrow night.
0: Yeah. The good news is, I, I honestly, I'm, I feel bad kind of forgetting this about now. The good news is we're talking about this podcast, and there is, surprisingly, no talk of Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, the contract changed that, <laughs> but I would have bet, George, in the offseason— uh, this, this would have been a Jonathan Taylor dominated pod, and that would have been a blockbuster move that absolutely would have led Sports Center on Tuesday after the trade the line for sure. I think it's gonna be boring, and I'm with you. I think that's a, honestly for this Colts team with, with where they are. You make a good point too, they got salary cap space and all their draft picks, so there's not really a, a motivation in a year that again and the Colts like it's one thing for us to think, but I think also the Colts think this as well. It's an evaluation year. So it also doesn't make much sense when you are still trying to evaluate this roster and who's going to be here, who is not. It doesn't make a lot of sense right now to bring in guys that are going to take away reps and hurt your evaluation process to see who is going to be here in the future or not. And that's why I don't think any, we're going to see any moves. I think it's going to be a very quiet deadline. And I think again, it's a good thing where if you're Chris Ballard, you don't want your emotions of, I know it's changed the last two weeks really three weeks, but when you're three and two, and we're sitting here talking about, wow, look at the schedule. They could be, you know, eight or nine wins, bare minimum, maybe a playoff run. I think it's important where if you're Chris Ballard, you don't let that emotion or getting caught up in the moment fuel your decision-making and allow you to forget. Oh, by the way, we are still, you know, in an evaluation period. If the Colts make the playoffs this year and rip off a run because the schedule again still was manageable. Great. That's awesome. But I don't think you should be making moves with the playoffs, making the playoffs this year in mind, the goal still should be for this season, how can we best put players in positions to evaluate them, to see, can we find a a spot for them on this team, offensively, defensively? Or, you know what? It doesn't work. we got to find a new piece. And this offseason, with plenty draft capital and plenty salary cap space, that's where we can make our move. And that's why I just think when it's all said and done, George, I don't think we should see a move. I don't think we will see a move, because then Chris Ballard is of the same philosophy we are, where twenty twenty three, the wins and losses aren't as important as the evaluation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guarantee you on Sunday he's not happy about losing the game, and that's right, yeah, but right. it's a totally different story, and that's what you're talking about. the the the, the big picture. You're trying to find out is Jalen Jones a starting corner moving forward? Is Juju Brents going to be that guy? You know, is he the lockdown guy that you want moving forward? Uh, so you gotta get him healthy. And and you know, that's another reason for the Zach Moss deal that I talked about. I don't rush Juju back. The same as we said with with Anthony Richards, same thing here. This is a guy, second round pick of utmost importance, to the future of this franchise. Don't rush him back. Don't make this work worse. I know the situation's terrible right now. I know they're in a really bad spot. You should have taken care of that in March. We talked about that on Sunday. You know, that's that bed's already been made. Lie in it now. Do not cause uh juju brents to 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 get worse. If he's healthy, fine. I don't know how long the, 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 the injury is gonna be. If he's ready to go next week and he's 100 percent healthy, absolutely. The more reps the better. You need to get him out there and, and, and let him play. But if there's risk, it's not worth it. But you know for me it's Josh down season. It's Josh <laughs> down season the rest of the way now. Let's see how high this kid can go. I, I think he's really uh, showing that, that a lot of the one thing he's showing why Reggie Wayne loved him coming out of the draft. Yeah. Let's just let Reggie pick all the receivers from, from here <laughs> on out. Um, but I, I think he's really showing some incredible upside. And I can't remember the last time a rookie receiver had this kind of impact on the Colts. Ty got there eventually, but he was hurt early in his rookie year. And people kind of forget he had the hamstring, he was dealing with missing a couple games, he had some big games. I can't remember TY being this big this early in his career. Um, definitely, he's the one you go back to, and that's 2012, right. so that's another years. Um, it's been a really good start, and, and I'm really interested to see how Josh Downs carries this out.
0: And on that note, too, to kind of wrap up here, when it comes to splash moves, like if we've talked about, right, Marvin Harrison Jr., even guys like Keon Coleman, or if you see a corner in the draft you identify that you want to get to, Colts at three and five, like, I don't think they'll lose the rest of their games. I think bare minimum, they're surpassed their four win total from last year. So they're not going to presumably be in a position to get one of the best players, non-quarterbacks in the draft, just by sitting in the position that they are draft-wise. They're probably going to have to make a move to trade up if they identify one of these game-breaking players that they want to get. And the way you do that, right, is by trading draft picks. You rather keep, like, you rather make that splash for the draft versus make that splash now at the deadline and throw away a third round pick that could be necessary and could help you get a deal done down the road um, to make a move from, I don't know, 13 to seven or 12 to five, whatever it is. And to jump up there to get, again, maybe Marvin Harrison jr. Maybe Keon Coleman out of Florida state, maybe another wide receiver, maybe another defensive back, maybe an edge rusher, whatever it is. I'd rather, again, count on the, heels of talking about Josh Downs and his impact already as a rookie, you're talking about rookie impact going forward here and making splash moves. I think you're better served keeping the draft capital now and making that big splash move come draft time versus coming out the trade deadline to make this season easier on the eyes versus actually going anywhere of significance. I'm with you.
1: 100%.
0: So with that said, our schedule for this week is going to be this. We do not assume, as you just heard for the last hour, the Colts can be very active at the trade deadline. If we are dead wrong, with which right now on a two-game losing streak with our picks, eh, maybe uh, right. <laughs> we could be wrong. Us and wrong, it's not, uh, not uh, unthinkable, to say the least. If we are totally wrong and the Colts make a big move, Michael Pittman Jr. traded, Grover Stewart traded, you name it, the Colts get Patrick Sertan. Buyers or sellers. Yes, George has a heart attack for Grover Stewart. I didn't mean to scare you there, George. Anyway, if we see a big-time move happen, we will have an emergency pod. So make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And also on YouTube as well, we will have an emergency pod out for you um, as soon as that move, if a move may uh, is made. If what we think comes to fruition, force- And we're actually right. And the Colts are quiet. Trade deadline comes and goes. Maybe it's a marginal, you know, pick where it's a last guy on the roster traded for another last guy on the roster. You won't hear from us again until Thursday. As we'll get you set for the Panthers and Colts. Get that preview set for the last game in the States for a few weeks. Um, And we'll bypass the Tuesday pod and just kind of recap if any moves are made in that Thursday pod as well. So, big move. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Quiet deadline. We'll be back with you on Thursday. So best way to find out when we're on next is obviously, one, pay attention to the news. Also, two, subscribe and download to make sure that you are always getting alerts whenever our show is dropping. So with that said, have a great rest of your week. I won't say when we'll talk to you because honestly, if we have been the bad luck and I say, if I talk to you Thursday, well, that means we'll talk to you Tuesday. But I say talk to you Tuesday, that means Colts are going to have a quiet deadline. Uh, and we'll talk to you Thursday. So I'll just say this. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Right here on the blue horseshoe pot.